On today's episode, we have Christine Clark. She's a registered dietitian and certified specialist in sports dietetics. She has about 20 years of experience in the field of nutrition. She has worked as a research, clinical, and outpatient dietitian at a children's hospital, as well as counseling and teaching at a college. Over the years, Christine has had an opportunity to work with athletes on a team and athletes staying active without a team. She truly enjoys working with high school and college athletes to ditch diet culture and fuel for performance with food flexibility. You can find Christine on Instagram at teen period athlete period nutritionist, as well as her website, which is period. So you can definitely check her out on those two places. Welcome to the episode, Christine. Hello, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. I can't wait to jump in and learn more about you and your practice. So why don't you kick us off by letting us know a little bit about where you started and compare where you started with where you are now with your private practice. Okay, so where I started with my private practice is I guess I was under the impression I needed a website. So I created a website. And then I really didn't get any traffic and didn't get a lot of people coming that way. So then I decided to, you know, reach out and, you know, start to do more what I can do to invest in myself and try to, you know, market myself, which I was never really taught. So working through, you know, the Dietitian Boss program, I learned Instagram and that has really, was really a great way for me to become more visible and learn just a different way to market myself. Yeah. A lot of people getting started really do think the website equals visibility. So I I appreciate that you mentioned that it's not always the case and it's always helpful to learn other unique and helpful ways to market yourself so you could get more clients. Yes, definitely. And then I would like you to share a little bit about the clients that you work with in private practice. Can you share a little bit about your current niche with the listeners? Yeah, so my current niche is, you know, athletes, whether they're on a team or maybe an athlete who, whether they headed off to college and they're no longer on a team, but they're still, you know, athletic, they're still staying active and, you know, kind of working on, you know, keeping up with that activity level, but also perform, you know, increasing their food intake to, to, you know, maximize their performance. Because a lot of times, the athletes that I tend to work with seem to underfuel, So they're not fueling enough. And that's something that we try to work on. So yeah, that's my niche is that like, so, you know, high school, college athletes is really sort of where I'm working. That's my population right now. Very cool. Thanks so much for sharing that. And has your niche evolved at all? Or is this where you started out? It's definitely evolved. It's definitely narrowed down a lot more. I've gotten more clear in what I want to, you know, the people that I want to work with, which has been great because it was like before I'd be working with just whoever and anyone, like anybody and anything in terms of related to that. But it's really narrowed down to, you know, athletes who are struggling with, you know, diet culture and just not sure what to eat or what not to eat and the timing of their meals and snacks. And that's been something that I've really enjoyed working with young athletes. Yeah. A lot of people really, really want to help everyone, but they immediately recognize that your capacity to do that <laughs> is very tough. That's a lot of information to, to take on. So And, you know, oftentimes you do take anyone and everyone when you're first starting out, but when you get really specific, you know, it really does unburden you and allows you to service that one population to your fullest extent, which is really helpful. 
Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and have you always had this dream of having your private practice? What made you want to start and take it to this next level? I have always had this dream. And I, while I was working, you know, in the college setting, especially, I was able to really work a little bit more with the population that I've wanted to work with, which is like young athletes. And also, you know, just realizing that I, sometimes when you're working in certain environments, you're not able to completely do what you want to do. And I feel as though with my prior practice, I've really been able to find my voice, especially over social media with my Instagram posts. I feel like I can really express what you know, I want to educate people with and to share what I've learned over the years and just kind of continue to do that. So that's been something that I've really enjoyed with my private practice. Yeah, admittedly, a lot of people would love to be able to share their own insights, but they are oftentimes, like you mentioned, just kind of bound to whatever work decorum or rules that are in place. So you don't feel like you have a lot of autonomy. So I really appreciate that you shared being on Instagram allowed you to have your own voice and be able to do something that a traditional work setting wouldn't necessarily allow you to do. Yes. (laughs) And would you say for those who are working towards doing that, or I should rephrase, if you were to start this and you were to tell someone, you know, just get yourself out there, you'll be able to attract clients. If you really build no like, and trust, can you share like a few tips for listeners for how they can go about doing that so they can find their own voice on social media and attract ideal clients? As far as the no like, and trust, I feel like it's just, yeah, like getting out there and just like putting yourself out there in a sense that it's uncomfortable. And I was super uncomfortable about doing that before I did this and I, you know, did not want to, you know, video or take pictures and show my face, but I feel like I was able to gain the confidence to do that. And I actually don't mind it now. And I realize it's super important for people to be able to get to know you in a different way and be able to see your face, face with the words and all the information, all the messaging. So I think it's really important for that piece of it too. You're absolutely on the nose, correct? You have to show up. It is going to be awkward. A lot of people are often very resistant to that fact, but you're you're correct. By showing your face and being able to be visible, you're allowing people access to get to know you, which is a very, very important piece of building that no like trust factor. So thanks for those words of wisdom. So if you guys are out there and you're afraid, Christine was in your shoes and she, she put herself out there. For sure. And as you start to shift to a private practice, it comes with you having to set your own terms in in terms of pricing and being able to decide how much you want to charge and really earn your worth and your value. And a lot of times women who start the program really struggle with this. So can you share your money story and what beliefs you had around money, especially seeing that being a business owner means you get to set your prices and the sky's the limit with that? Yeah, no, definitely. Coming into it, I was really very always nervous about charging people. I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I feel bad. Like, you know, it's, you know, cause it's a service. It's different than you're buying a product, you know? So, but then I finally realized that it is, it's a, it's a valuable service that we offer as dietitians and, you know, we should be paid and we should be valued. And that's so important because it's something that, you know, should be valued. And that's something I learned and I've gotten more confident with realizing that, my work is valuable and 
you know, I kind of come from the old school dietetics because it's like, we did a ton of things for free. Like, Oh, it's fine. I'll just basically volunteer for anything and everything. Um, so that was me, you know, I would do everything for free. And now I'm like, no, I have value. Like I have something to offer and you know, it should be paid for. Oh my God. That is hilarious. You're like, I come from the old school dietetics where we just volunteered our time for free. Like, oh, that's <laughs> that is not even a joke. <laughs> so crazy. Well, thank goodness for the new way. I specifically love that you're like, I offer a valuable service and I actually appreciate your framing around products versus service. For some reason, it's so easy for a lot of dietitian bosses to understand the justification for like an actual item, but they can't mm -hmm. apply that same logic when they're looking at a service. And I love that framing of, you know, it's as equally as valuable. You don't need to physically be sending a, someone a product in the mail to command the price that you have in your private practice. You can demand it because you're, you're offering them something transformational. So that's a really good framing. I think more people need to think about that and not write it off as, oh, well, it's not a product, so it's not as valuable. It is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so can you share a little bit with us about how you use Instagram to grow your business? Uh, specifically, just start us off with kind of walking us through your content creation process. Yeah. It's funny because I looked back at my beginning Instagrams and I was like, oh boy, good thing I got a little assistance on this. <laughs> they were kind of lame. But I feel like, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, kind of creating the problem, the solution outcome, and just sort of thinking that through and realizing that there is sort of a, you know, a, a process that goes into it and how people think and the quick, you know, quick content and just, you know, people only have a few minutes that they're paying or seconds, really, <laughs> that they're paying attention. So you want to make sure that your content is, you know, reaching them and having some impact on it. Yeah, it's something that most people don't really think about. Like if you're swiping, you really have to think, okay, if I'm creating a graphic, you have to think about, is your graphic going to stop them in their track? So I appreciate that you framed it as quick content, which is exactly what it should be. And it should really be hitting some of those things you talked about, that problem, the solution, outcome. How can you convey that? as fast as possible so people want to stop so yeah having a method in place to learn the way to do it yeah a lot of times people are like oh i think what i was doing was fine and they like compare their before <laughs> and look at after you're like hmm yeah that wasn't that <laughs> exactly because you're like just keep going if it's just a picture or it's like a couple it's like yeah okay <laughs> the yeah. Line was very boring and i i actually did not even start instagram until I think it was April, the spring. So yeah, that's come a long way, but yeah, I really enjoy it. I actually really love it. <laughs> Very cool. I'm so glad to hear. And then a part of that stopping people in their tracks with the visual aspect with the photos is also just having like the verbiage down. So how do you develop your messaging to really target the teenage athlete? What, what's your process in being able to think about what to put on those graphics? Yeah, um, that's funny because in the beginning, I actually have teenagers. So in the beginning, I'd kind of use them as a, a, a like a bouncing ideas off of a wording or how does it sound? So I had my own little focus group, I guess, <laughs> of my own teenagers. And then I just started to, you know, and I wor I've worked with teenagers and college age students. So I kind of tried to think about the wording and the language that way. Um, but I would utilize sort of that resource of, you know, kind of bouncing ideas. Does this make sense or does this sound reasonable? So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Market research is major key. It's something that people don't really 
take too seriously, but it can be very, very instrumental in getting that problem solution outcome across a lot more efficiently, especially if your ideal client is like an age group or a gender that you yourself don't associate with. So messaging, it may be in research, you may think one thing, but having that focus group, your teenagers, and also looking back at your counseling <laughs> experiences, you're like, oh, that's not a cool word to say. And they're correcting you. So you're like, but I dodged that bullet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's incredible. So That's so helpful that you have your teenagers to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is. And sometimes they're like, That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's okay man. Too, it kind of puts you back into perspective. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I feel like, you know, as a mom, like you're supposed to be embarrassing. I feel like that's a part of your job. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're fulfilling your duty. Job. You're fulfilling your duty. Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I'll post and I'm like, would I be embarrassing? It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Just go for it. I'm over it now. <laughs> exactly. You were um, alluding to, speaking of like embarrassing and like just random photos on social media, you were kind of suggesting that what you had before was just kind of like just random photos. Can you give like an example of like things that you would post before you yeah. the method? Yeah. I mean, for mine, it was very minimal. So I just kind of had like words, really. That was kind of what I ended up doing. It's like, it would be like one little quote or words and it wasn't very impactful. So <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's, yeah, okay. <laughs> and when I look back, I'm like, that's, yeah, not really that helpful. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, mm. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of funny because a lot of people, when they look back, they have that same kind of reaction as well. So don't feel bad. You're amongst the company when it comes to that. But it's yeah. really helpful to kind of really frame and understand the difference between not having an effective marketing strategy and having one. It's just cool to see that transition. So kudos yep. to you for having a starting point and being able to see that change over time because it's always more powerful when you can see the beginning to now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so the other thing that is really important for people just kind of getting out there is like understanding and recognizing like the stuff that you posted before may have not been exactly it. You're not going to have great salesmanship. You're going to struggle to kind of get the messaging right. But a big part of it is just starting imperfectly because you're going to laugh at yourself. Like you guys hear Christine laughing at herself. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I've made the same mistakes. I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing with her. <laughs> And that's because we're big on starting imperfectly. So can you share with the audience, what did starting imperfectly look like for you? Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that, you know, being a dietitian, like that perfectionist, like everything has to be perfect. All the I's have to be dotted and the T's have to be crossed and everything has to be just so. And I would spend hours upon hours like laboring over this. And I'm like, really? Like, and then I'd put it out there and I'd be like, oh. But then when I would finally just kind of like do it and get it out there, I'd be like, okay, just so I can do more and not spend so much time on it, I would be like, okay, this is better. I can do this. I don't have to have like A plus work. I can just kind of like get in the middle and just kind of get in there and do it because it's better to just do it and get it out there than to like labor over for hours and you never get it out there. <laughs> Yeah, jazz snaps all the way because you made such a good point 
being able to do more and you can only do more if you just get something done. Like if it's a B work, if it's a C work, fine, it's done, but you could do more versus getting out very little. And it very little means low visibility. Low visibility means harder to find clients, harder for them to find you. So yes. thanks for that reminder that you shouldn't be laboring over stuff for hours <laughs> like that. Right, right. Because that's definitely something I used to do. <laughs> Same. I remember spending like three hours in Canva on one graphic. Why? I don't know. I know. I know. And then I'd walk away and go back again for hours. I'm like, stop. <laughs> Just do it. I know. I have to literally say that to myself. Just do it. Yes. You've got this. Just get it out there. Exactly. And then you can learn from it too, because you can go back and be like, all right, Maybe not the best, but I'm going to recreate this in a different way, but like, you know, in a different form, you know, so it's like you learn from whatever you've done in the past too. So it's nice to kind of just do it, see how it goes and learn again and kind of re refine it. Yes. Yes. That's the missing piece, to be honest, allowing yourself the opportunity to learn and redo something versus it has to be perfect because that's where the growth happens. If it's like immediately perfect and out the gate, then it's like, it's going to get boring. Cause then what are you going to improve? But I like that framing, just get it done because you have an area of, of growth and opportunity that awaits you, which is so, so helpful. Yeah, definitely. And you also kind of mentioned earlier how you had a website and you felt like that was just kind of like a waste of time. Can you share like other ways that you adapted starting off imperfectly in terms of like kind of getting rid of some of that perfectionist stuff around business? In terms of, yeah, I'm important. sorry. Like extra <laughs> platforms where they're like things that you had like thought you needed to perfect or had to have done. Oh. Yeah, I guess like I always thought like I had to have a logo and I had to have like, I don't know, like a perfect name for it or whatever it might be. And then I realized like really doesn't matter. People just want your content and your messaging and they want you um, for your services versus like all the bells and whistles that you think you need before you actually get into it. You know, the business piece is like all those extra, they kind of, I now realizing they're kind of extra, but I kept thinking, I need the perfect logo. I need the perfect name. I need all these things. And no, I just need to get out there and, you know, find my voice and find my people. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. The logo and the name gets people stuck all the time. So yeah, thanks for <laughs> mentioning those things. That's like another way people can get started imperfectly is just not obsessed over those things as much. Yeah, definitely. I definitely did that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then if you were to give advice for people just starting and to like start imperfectly, like what would that advice look like? I guess I would say just start doing it and start getting your messages out there. And because the only way people are going to find you is if you actually put yourself out there and it is scary. And I was definitely nervous but I'm so glad I did it. It's just been such a great experience because I feel like I truly do. I know I keep saying I found my voice, but it was like one of those things that I really just was able to do and just like be able to get my messaging out and not have more of that, you know, people telling, you know, when you're working in certain environments, like you kind of have to follow like different things that they want you to share or do or messaging. And this was the first time I was able to just do my own thing, which is so awesome. And it feels really good. Woohoo. <laughs> That's a major win, major win. Yeah. And I want to, since we're talking about that kind of empowering piece of being able to just do you, can you share like a specific example or another specific example, I should say, of how the dietitian boss method hasn't empowered you? 
you know, I think it was nice too to like be with other dietitians and like, it was really nice because it wasn't like a competition type of thing. And it was really about like, like everyone sort of supporting each other and the dietitians all, you know, I met so many great dietitians and so, so supportive of each other and everyone's doing a little bit something different and that was okay. Cause we could still cheer each other on and, you know, kind of support each other that way. And I met some really great dietitians that, you know, I don't think I would have. And it was nice to see, and they were actually all very inspiring too. Cause you're like, okay, if she can do that, I can do, yeah. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. Yay. I love that. Yeah. Community is a, a big part of it. It's an integral part, especially since there is this unspoken, maybe it's spoken competition. I don't know why it's kind of one of yeah. those things. So to have a community of support and be able to build up your your database of like really cool people that you can like be inspired by, be motivated by is always like an amazing thing as a professional. So yeah, I, yeah. I that's a, that's a beautiful part of the program. Yeah, I do. I definitely have to say that's a great part, the community piece for sure. And the last question I would love for you to answer and for the listeners to kind of let lean on to this as much as they can, because a lot of times it's starting that gets a lot of people. So I'm, I'm hoping that they will really hang on to this very last bit. And that is what advice would you give that you wish you were given when you first started your private practice? I guess just to not be scared and not be, you know, you have all this knowledge and you have all this, you know, what you've either in school, what you've done for work experience and, you know, just kind of getting out there and just doing it and just, you know, kind of putting aside those nerves and just really just putting yourself out there. I think that's just the best thing you can do because yeah. hiding isn't going to get you anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. You can't get anywhere if you're hiding. That's such a great point. Thank you so much, Christine, for sharing all these amazing words of wisdom throughout this interview. And as a reminder, you can find her on Instagram at teen period athlete period nutritionist. And Christine also has a website, www.christineclarkrdn.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.